Hi, and welcome to our Support and Leaders in Education podcast. My name is Claire Boyle, and I'm the Events Manager for Witherslack Group, and I'll be hosting today's session, which will focus on developing a citizenship and leadership curriculum. And for first-time listeners, this is our Support and Leaders in Education Talking It Through podcast, which turns topic of the month into expert discussion. And this month, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Chris Williams, who's the Regional Director for Witherslack Group, and Mike Hussey, Director of School Services for the ADHD Foundation, who will be chatting and guiding us through our topic. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, and now I know I've given a little bit of an introduction, but before we carry on with our questions, would you guys like to say a little bit about yourselves and tell us about your work? Like yeah, I can go first, I don't mind. Yeah. So, so yeah, my name is Mike. I'm the Director of School Services for the AGHD Foundation. I'm quite new to the foundation, really, and a big part of my role is working within our school and our consortiums um, to help provide support for them. Part of it might be training. Some of it is working with young people to deliver some of the therapeutic services. But previously, for sort of nearly 10 years, um, I worked in education. I was a teacher and middle leader and manager of quite a few uh, different departments and a few initiatives there. So I'm hoping to really be able to share some light uh, within that too, really. Brilliant. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Claire. As Claire said, my name's Chris Williams. I'm a regional director for schools with the Witherslack Group. Uh, I've been with Witherslack for about uh, five and a half years now. And within that time, I've also stood in as acting head teacher at a number of schools and I'm actually standing in as executive head teacher at one of our schools in Windsor at the moment. So as well as sort of the overall background knowledge of how Witherslack works, I've also got and had direct involvement in running some of our schools as well. Brilliant. Well, that's great. Thank you both ever so much. So shall we uh, crack on with our questions for our topic, developing assistantship and leadership curriculum? Um, so to start, um, could you guys give us a, like a brief overview of what a citizenship and leadership curriculum means to you? I think for me, a, a citizenship is that you know often we can be from a school's perspective, we can often be uh, challenged around curriculum for qualifications, and I think for me, the idea of a citizenship and leadership is around developing that truly holistic view of a young person. Um, you know, it's not just about their academic qualities, but really about their social, their spiritual, their physical uh, side of things too. And, and that doesn't mean to say they have to find a faith when we talk about spiritual. But understanding faiths, I think, is a big thing uh, for me because it's understanding the communities in which we live. And, you know, I don't know about uh, for yourselves, but over this last year with, with coronavirus, I think we've really been able to understand that we are very much a global community. This yeah. is not something that we just get affected it's in our silos. I think massively. And how other people link together as well not just within our areas and the leadership side for me has is, is always been important it's what I do outside of school quite voluntary too um, and leadership people think it's leading other groups I always think for me it's about leadership over over oneself too of understanding and responsibility is, is a big part of leadership not just others you know yeah I think from from a, a school's point of view we very much see it as um, yes, development of a young person's leadership skills uh, in terms of intrinsically what they are able to do, but also how that then 
lends itself to fitting into the wider society because our, our whole purpose is to is to be able to say, as Mike said, that holistically we'd like to think that young people after they've been in our schools for a period of time are able to move into that wider society and be active and responsible citizens. And obviously the first part of that is, is if you like, teaching them a skill set of how to be good citizens, in other words, how to take responsibility for their actions, but then equally how to then take that further and to be part of something bigger than just themselves and what they're doing in the moment. Yeah. Um, and obviously in a while we're going to talk about lots of the kind of nuts and bolts ways that we try and develop that with our young people. Mm. That's great. I, yeah. I think that becomes quite important too because certainly with a lot of young people with the pre-prescribed curriculum can often be quite a turn-off um, and yeah. the, the limited in choice of what they have to take um, as part of their options and whether it's three years, two years in terms of their GCSE, this is them being able to shine and showcase who they are with their interests, their skill sets um, that may otherwise have gone quite unnoticed, I think. Yeah. Great. Thank, thank you too. Right. On to our second question. So for, for a school that wants to develop um, this type of curriculum to engage with their pupils more, you know, where should they start? What are the sort of uh, building blocks for, uh, for developing it? I think go, going back to what I sort of mentioned before in the first instance about the, de the development of those intrinsic individual skills in terms of the young people's ability to work with each other, I think there's a toolkit in a number of ways that schools can do it, depending on the context. Uh, but all of the methods that they, the school can use to sort of develop those skill sets amongst the young people are about being able to work with each other. And I mean, you know, I'm sure many schools these days have got a, a, a list of things that they use, Claire, um, which are just about developing young people's skills to work to work with each other. So some of the things I've come across in our schools over the last few years could be everything from schemes where young people are, are buddied to work together uh, when they first come into the school. You you know classes that use things like circle time, um, where you've got learning partners, and it's all just about different structured methods of saying to young people. In working together, you will be able to develop skills that in the future you will be able to use when you do go on outside of the school. And again, it's going back to what Mike said, isn't it, about this holistic thing. It's not about a prescribed curriculum. It's about those skills that are so crucial to develop good citizens, leadership skills that mean you can work with other people and that, that in many ways you can take responsibility for what you do and how other people respond to you. Yeah. And I think it's it's always interesting that part of the question of, um, you know, and, and I think schools have often had this of, well, how do we engage the pupils? Mm. But the way they go about it is they sit around a table of adults <laughs> as, as yeah. teachers, as professionals yeah. and go, how do we engage pupils? Yeah. Yeah. And you think, well, if, you're, if your target audience is pupils, you have a whole school full of them. You have, you know, a lot That's of teachers the, who are form yeah. tutors. So exactly as you've just said, Claire, where to place to start with the pupils yeah. what do they want what do they want to see you know what's relevant to them i think uh, you know some fantastic uh, initiatives that chris has talked about and i've seen them in schools too which are brilliant of, of helping uh, and focusing on leadership and qualities and even more so recently we've seen that young people will always put forward their ideas if it's something they're passionate about 
they will tell you. I mean, I was a high yeah. school setting. So you know, in terms of asking for honesty, you got it in bucket loads, whether you wanted yeah. it and asked for it or not. Um, so I think for me, it is about putting time into it, but with the pupils to understand, you know, uh, I think it's, it's Simon Sinek, who's a great uh, business, but leadership as well, talks about the why. Why is it that you're doing it? And if it's to develop the pupils and work with them, that's a real key starting place for me, I think. Yeah, I think that that leads into something I wanted to stress, really, that I think especially in our settings, um, in terms of getting that honesty, it's about sometimes a leadership team in, or developing with the staff the courage to be able to listen to that student voice. Because particularly where you've got young people in our schools who've had a, a difficult experience at school, they're, they're, they're going to be the young people who are not used to being put in positions where actually they're asked for their opinions. And I know yeah, everybody... Yeah, absolutely. And everybody says, well... You know, due to the level of need of our young people, they should have been asked because they've got EHEPs and blah, blah, blah. But yet, in the next breath, people tell me that young person's not been in school for six months. And I'm thinking, well, how was their voice being listened to really in the school setting? And I think a a lot of it is, is sometimes the confidence of the staff that has to come from the leadership to say, do you know what? When you do your school council meeting, don't just ask them what they like to eat in the dining room. Ask them what methods they would like to be able to use to give a student voice. Because too often it's easy in our schools for staff to say, oh, well, you can't ask our young people. You know, they don't have the emotional ability or, or, the, or, the, or the confidence or the kinds of behaviours. It means they can give valid opinions. Actually, interestingly, they do. And perhaps even more so for our young people, because sometimes when you do give them a voice that they've not had, they take it far more seriously sometimes than young people I've encountered in mainstream settings. So I think as always in our schools, in any school, it comes from the top. It's a leadership have to give staff the confidence to say, no, unless you give them some responsibility, you're not going to get any meaningful feedback as to how we should do things better. Yeah. That confidence and role model that I think as well, you know, you use that word, you know, courage. I think it is courageous for a lot of adults where they, they, you know, they sit in their room and they've got their, they've delivered their lesson, they've planned it. There's quite a lot of control and it it can be a very big unknown as to when you start throwing these questions out as to what you're going to get back. And and I totally echo what you're both saying around, you know, we can't do that with our kids. You absolutely can do. You might not like what you get back. You might not understand what you get back, but you absolutely can work. And and having that from, from that leadership, that role model of working with pupils to engage them, I think it is absolutely critical to give staff the courage uh, and understanding of which to do that in too. I, I totally agree with you on that one. And sometimes right. it's about just slightly stepping into the known clear, just to extend the point a little bit, because in one of our settings where we did a significant period of work over six months <clears throat> that then involved an Ofsted inspection coming back to look at it, we almost didn't try to dictate at all what methods we would use with the young people to get to get kind of what we needed for them. It, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is we almost provided them with so many opportunities that not all of them were that successful, but we almost felt like we needed to give them as many as possible to let them learn by experience the ones that would be most useful yeah. for them. Because otherwise, going back to what Mike said, what you end up with is actually a load of adults who sat in the room with a toolkit and a list and said to the young people, uh, actually, we'd like 
you know, we'd like you to come up with this one of these alternatives about which is the best way for your people voice to be heard. Well, why, why not tell them? Well, actually, there's 50 ways of doing it. What do you think? And, and what happened at first, it was a little bit messy because we had more student committees than you know, you know what to do with because they had, they ended, they ended, normally you've got a school council. <laughs> but we, you, you almost ended up with, it was a school council, there was a behaviour committee, a welfare committee, and, the, you know, there were more committees than your average sort of county council. <laughs> And in the end, in the end, it did filter down because once they kind of had various conversations, they realised themselves, but we almost just literally handed it over to them with our guidance. And that's what I was saying about going back to the courage earlier in terms of just being prepared to say, you know what, actually, why don't we accept for once that we're not going to be in control? But that's not an easy thing for teachers to do. Yeah, yeah. And how you plan for that becomes very difficult of, of yeah, it's, it's facilitation. Unknown, isn't it? Yeah. It absolutely is the unknown, as you rightly say. And it's it's facilitation rather than education and teaching. You're not passing anything on. You're trying to work with and it's a different skill set. So I think when we were talking before about, you know, building blocks, I think there is that training to to listen and to facilitate yeah. rather than and that's very difficult because it's not what teachers got into the into the profession for. They had a passion for their subject that they wanted to share, maybe. Um, and so that skill and professional development is going to be quite critical for some of our for our teachers and professionals too. That leads us very nicely into the next question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that. That was almost as if you prepped it. So, let's uh, crack on with question three. Um, so, what additional skills, understanding, or, or training do senior leaders need to equip their staff with in order to successfully develop a leadership and citizenship curriculum? You might have touched on this a little bit already, but can we delve any further? Yeah, I think, Joe, seeing how others have done it, you know, one thing that the teacher profession I've always found is is amazing for is sharing good practice and being willing to show that good practice too. Um, and I think using that, but not just within education, seeing how other organisations, I think, have done this. You know, Duke of Edinburgh's award is, is a perfect example of citizenship and leadership in action. Yeah. Um, the Scout Association, Girl Guide in UK, are fantastic programmes that are built around or elements of youth shaped and it's not necessarily being led by young people but working in partnership adults and young people and seeing how those organizations have done it and most a lot of teachers will in some way have volunteered in some form and using that trans as a transferable skill i think it's about for me it's about giving them some initially anyway as much as uh, as teachers can get bogged down in it is a theoretical understanding of why they're going to do what they're going to do because i think that you know I, i've seen sometimes schools where um you know that they've they've decided that the the, the class of, of children that are difficult you know some of the young people are going to be taken out of the class and put into circle time and and when you ask them why uh it's not because it's not working nobody can really explain why so i think if the, if the if the principles and benefits of giving and giving responsibility to the young people um are understood by the staff they then can better look at the ways that they work with the young people because otherwise it just becomes another toolkit list of things that they could or they couldn't try and they're not likely to see the importance of those different things if they're not clear in their minds about exactly why they're going to do it and what they're trying to achieve Um, and I don't think there's enough of that 
in terms of training that staff do in schools. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. We use a thing called uh, SMSC Gridmaker where uh, staff can log where certain activities fit with criteria uh, around citizenship, around leadership, etc., etc. Um, but actually, how, how many of them have, have had any kind of development or training before they pick the things that they want to do in those areas? Have they just picked them because it says in that section you've got these things to do, off you go and do them without necessarily understanding the context of the school? And that's why it's crucial in our schools to be able to do that because even more so in, for example, a larger mainstream setting where you've got young people with complex needs like ours, the context of what you do is so important. And I think that's why perhaps sometime before they're in the position where they've got to demonstrate what they do to try and understand why they're going to do it and what they want to achieve from it. And I think, you know, for me, within teaching, a bit like what you've just said there, Chris, understanding the community, the pupils, the young people that you are working with has always been the highest on my list of being a teacher and qualities that you need. And when I've, you know, similar probably into you, when you've mentored student teachers, one of the things is build the rapport. Um, and build the understanding um, because that's always going to be a barrier if you can't do that we know the best teachers when we think back are the ones who made us feel something um, yeah. hopefully good things <laughs> and something that we engaged with but who understood us we connect with them more we connect then in some way with the topic and and it's it's interesting because often you know when we're looking at citizenship and, and true leadership within schools, we often handpick those people in some way that we want to be the leaders of that school, and sometimes those who present with a more complex or behavioural trait or need. We, we understand that they do have leadership qualities. You know, I, I've had this in behaviours within schools where it's, oh, this, this person, he always seems to rile up the kids or it's this other person who always seems to be able to get them to do their bid. And, you know, you think, well, actually, that's quite a leadership quality. But how do we take that to a more positive stance than allow it to, to go down the negative route it's going? Because you've got a leader there. You just need to help mould that person, not change it, not force anything take those qualities but showcase how they can use it positively okay that, that's great thank, thank you both um, so we'll move on to our next um, question so a, a citizenship curriculum encourages pupils to develop a deeper knowledge and understanding of their own rights and responsibilities um, which is something we talked a bit about earlier so as individuals and as part of the wide and and as part of the wider community. So what impact do you think that the COVID pandemic will have on this? And, and how should staff approach these changes with pupils in a, in a positive way? I mean, in itself, COVID and, and the whole pandemic has been a citizenship and leadership curriculum, hasn't it? Um, yeah. Take responsibility for your own actions. Mm. Have a voice about what you do. Um, being able to, you know, build your own resilience and support your own mental well-being is sort of the wider aspects of that so i think if if anything it helps bring a, a true point to why this is so crucial important, that it's yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely why is this so important because people wouldn't have been able to get through what they've done 
had they really not had that underpinning of citizenship, leadership, and seeing the necessity, community, yeah. And there's been some, fan, you know, um, a truly amazing things that we've seen from educationalists, from other professionals too, and but the young people, more importantly, yeah. their resilience levels to, I mean, I, I work with a lot of, of neurodiverse pupils at the moment, particularly if you think of, you know, autistic spectrum condition, hate change, and the mm. fact that we've had change bubbles bursting, going in school, out of school, lockdowns, out of lockdowns. And people are coping and and understanding better than what they may have done before. Yes, not everyone is doing that. Don't get me wrong. It's not a rose-tinted glasses approach. Um, But this is why I think it's so important that I hope we take forward in a more positive way that education isn't about the qualification We've had two year groups basically now who are going to have not really sat external exams. We can't let them have that as a negative on their future. We've got to showcase what can you offer businesses, employments, your own businesses, if you want to be entrepreneur as well. One of the things that that I find in the set I'm working in at the moment is, is, uh, because actually I've worked in two of our schools uh, from the initial lockdown last year, is it made us look at the whole school population, staff and young people, as one. And I think if anything was ever going to make you do that, as Mike just suggested, as, as we've all done in, in, in generally in our communities, is, is normally in schools we're, we're quite used to analysing what the staff need and what the young people need, too often as separate, separate entities. And, and what, what, what we recognised with this was that the anxieties are, that the staff had were exactly the same as the young people. Now, you, you, it's not always the case, is it? Because, you know, you'd like to think the adults are going to have different anxieties to young people. With this, it was blanket. It seemed to be across the board. So in, a, in addressing the, if you like, the staff anxieties, we were almost addressing everybody's anxieties in school. So a lot of the things that we put in place... Um, once the young people could see that they they were for everybody's benefit and they could be involved in the implementation, it, in a way, in quite extreme circumstances, it's helped develop a sense of community in the settings I've been in, perhaps more quickly than I'd have expected if you weren't in a normal circumstance. Because everybody's kind of in it together. So yesterday, for example, yeah. and this week, when 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 the young people clear uh, uh, are going to be tested, uh, they know the staff are being tested in school at the same time. So we've had a much yeah. bigger we've had a much bigger take up then of young people getting involved in being tested in school, and as a result, far more young people coming back to school than we thought would be the case. Because parents and carers could then all, also see that everybody was going through the same thing. Yeah. So it is, it is like Mike suggested, isn't it? It's it's that thing that COVID has brought us all together more in lots of ways with some fabulous things that we've all seen up and down the country. It's very much felt like that in a school. You wouldn't have wanted it to be for such, you know, negative reasons in the sense that so yeah. many people are being if affected. You have to pull some positives yeah, exactly. From it, it's, you know, and and it's worked, and it's never. And, and I suppose it, without thinking about it at the time, but when you look back on it in hindsight now, it's a classic example, there, isn't it? In terms of. De- developing leadership and citizenship amongst our young people. If if we don't learn from this, actually bringing it all together so everybody's learning at the same time, then I think we've I think we've missed an opportunity here because we go back to what Mike was saying right at the start. It should never just be about well, what does the curriculum say? Oh, I know you know what we're doing in PSET today is about democracy or citizenship or law. If it's seen as part of what we all do together, then I think if this has taught us anything, if we needed to be taught, but maybe at least reminded that doing it together makes it far more effective in yeah. the long run. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I totally agree. The, the most effective leaders are going to be the ones who have taken that analytical approach and reflective approach and gone, we cannot let this opportunity go. We cannot yeah. let this be a waste of a, of a year or a year and a half, you know, depending on by the time we actually get back to curriculum years. In some cases, I think the best leaders are the ones who've going to recognize the citizenship, mental well-being are not add-ons. They're not, oh, you know, separate projects. They have to, you know, be the thread through the curriculum, yeah. through the school. And, and, and I, I totally get that point, Chris, as well, around staff and young people facing this together with the same anxieties um, that they've all that we've all kind of had over the over this time, too. And given that as a connection and a connecting point um, to build rapport on and, and build a, a better educational system, but better school environments, too. Well, it's been a le- ultimately, as in just general communities, it's been a leveler, hasn't it? Because you know, mm. when I when I, when I when I'm looking, you know, I'm 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 looking at a risk assessment the setting I am at the minute when I'm updating it. it, it everything in that applies to everybody, because regardless of your status, you know, schools are very hierarchical places. Regardless of your position in the school or anything else, there's nothing wrong with a young person seeing that I or another member of staff is as concerned as they are. But you know what? That's okay because this is what we're going to do about it, and we're going to do it together. And and that's the opportunity that you're right, that I think that good analytical leaders are not going to have missed from this, that if they don't see some of that as a positive moving forward, that it's prepped, it's prepped, made, it, made a far more democratic kind of structure and culture in the school. If they don't use it for that and use it to, to their advantage in that sense to get the best out of what is a difficult position, situation to be in, I think it'd be a great shame. And, and and how many learning experiences we can we get out of this too? There's it just as say within itself, it's it's a whole curriculum um, of you yeah. know the rights responsibilities of going out or staying in, of mingling or not mingling, of going abroad, not going abroad. There's debates to be had within there, challenging authoritative figures or decisions to see that it's okay but it's how you do that that's the skill that's the mm. teachable moment but you can't just you know swear your head off and scream and shout and and that be acceptable actually there is a way that you can challenge and get without your points across in the right way get your points across yeah um and and all of these are critical things that we could take in for debates, for learnable moments, for sharing experiences, um, yeah. you know, and there are a vast range of experiences that families have have gone through. Um, you know, free school meals. It, it was how big a thing was that? Um, yeah. b- purely because this highlighted that there was a massive need to support free school meals better yeah. um, and how people can get involved in that as a campaign, not just one person, but the communities as a whole coming together to support that too. Great. Uh, some just like, it's so positive. I mean, when, <laughs> it's a difficult topic, isn't it? To talk about the pandemic and everything, but when you talk about it in this sense, there's so many like positive things we can sort of try and drive forward. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great, uh, great discussion. So, okay, moving on to the next question. Um, we now rely even more on um, digital means as a way of supporting teaching. Um, and so with this in mind, how much focus should be put upon digital citizenship for both staff and, and pupils? I think it's crucial. I th- yeah, I think it's absolutely crucial because yeah. I think that I think in in in, in many ways, in many ways, accepting I'm a complete dinosaur when it comes to what my uh, chil- my children can do or young people I work with can do. I think that 
I think the danger for me is that you know if 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 we don't accept that that has opened up a, a whole new galaxy for young people with all yeah. of the pros and cons that come with it, then I think we're in a we're in a very dangerous place because ultimately, if you know, not only if we want to make sure that we safeguard our young people in this new world, yeah. but in order to do that, they need to develop the leadership skills and the ability to be citizens in that environment because the danger being that they're far more exposed otherwise to all the dangers that we know about compared to, say, when I was young and at school. So as as well as the actual increased number of ways that they now can communicate and do things that we can use to our advantage, it's about making sure they've got the skills to operate in a world which is different from ours. Yeah. Um, and that's that's tricky. I mean, that's that's for me is as challenging as anything for teachers because, on the whole, you know, e- even relatively young teachers are still going to be quite a way behind than, than than children who are fourteen or fifteen, such as my children are. Um, but again, it's going back to what we said before about leadership and and staff confidence. It's about it's about the leadership of the school making sure that staff are confident to work in that world and work with the young people in that world. And do you know what? Again, go back to what we talked about training. If we don't know enough about it, we need to. Because that's now a world yeah. that those young people work in and live in. And if you want to, if you want to recognise it and live in it, you're going to have to live the experience yeah. of that too. I think. Um, I, I mean, yeah. How many technophobes have we had probably converted over this last two yeah. years <laughs> because they've almost been forced to? I could never do that, and suddenly, you know. Yeah. And we've got on our on our staff as adults too. You know, people who who this time last year thought I could never deliver online training um, and some of the courses. We could never convert them into this, and now they're now running them left, right, and centre. Yeah. 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 I mean, podcasts, you know, I've never done a podcast um, before and look at how, how how big they are right now. Yeah, because yeah, I know. Because how, I say easy, the, the setup of it, I'm sure, is very t- technical. But <laughs> for, to get people together to sit and chat. Yeah, um, to have the discussion, yeah. Yeah, it, it is something that's really been brought on. And, and I mean, digital always has been and always will be you know a knife edge won't it between what good can happen and what bad can happen um and just the nature of your i mean how think of the amount of adults who can't use the internet properly or appropriately mm-hmm. um it's going to be natural that young people who uh, often aren't always good at regulating themselves or thinking through things before acting that there are going to be negative sides and that so awareness has to has to be raised around that um but the positives that can glean from digital, the communities in which you can reach that we've never been able to reach before. Mm. Um, yet we, we, there is work to do to make sure there's more equality around digital and access to digital. Again, we, you know, we've seen that through this last year. Um, but seeing how we amend, how we provide, how we adapt in order to be able to put that into a perspective and, and utilise that to our advantage too. Um, and being able to see with the digital it kind of comes back to the point we we're talking before of you know the building blocks of thinking if young people are, are, are more technically advanced how do we use that to our advantage to engage yeah. them within their citizenship their leadership too and mm. uh, to support us as adults but that again is a confidence how do you let those reins go as someone who's used to control within your classroom and your subject to come 
back at, at you in that way. Um, it can be quite difficult. I, I it was a, a Senko I was talking to in one of the schools, and she was saying they were doing around neurodiversity and ADHD in particular, and they'd had a you know a citizenship lesson of this is ADHD yeah. and, and stuff, and there was a boy in the room who just suddenly stood up and went, "Why are we learning about ADHD?" And obviously, as a teacher, that's like a oh moments of what's going to yeah. happen next. But the, the the conversation that the young man then went on was, I have ADHD, so why am I sort of listening to you tell me about ADHD when actually I'll tell the class this yeah. is what ADHD is for me yeah. Yeah. and his perspective. And and to what she said to me, she said, actually, I think it was a far better lesson because they learned from him and they had the discussion and they went with it because it was something that was prevalent to him. Yeah. that he could share and she just facilitated and let him lead. Just let him get on with it, yeah. Great. I, think, you know, you think... I was just going to say, Mark, a perfect example, going back to what we were just talking about with COVID, is the way that we've used some technology with some young people for a member of staff who, who couldn't be in school for a period of time. And when we were looking at solutions to start with, when all the kind of digital solutions that you'd imagine, we sort of stood there thinking would and I remember literally we stood there looking at each other going that's never going to work you know so <laughs> when, when when you think of the the, the, the kind of the, the issues that we we always perceive with especially in our schools with our young people because of negative experiences of school and the level of engagement and relationships the staff have to have just to keep them in the room and to work with them so the thought then that we wheel a TV screen screen into the young people to allow this member of staff to, to conduct the lesson from afar uh, we just thought was absolutely impossible, would not work. And then when you see it in reality and in practice, I know I know I shouldn't be blown away with it because actually it's a relatively straightforward thing to do. But you've got teaching assistants in the class with the young people, the teachers are somewhere else working from home, directing the young people and the TAs to almost manage it themselves. And it's a dynamic that if you'd said to me 10 or 15 years ago could have existed, you'd imagine it was something out of Star Trek. And it almost looked, it, 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 it almost made you think that purely because of the kind of technical issues, the way they were working was completely different. And if that member of staff had been in the room and yeah, th- th- yeah. Th- and then you think, well, that's interesting. How could that work if the member of staff was in the room? And what could the member of staff be doing to still facilitate that kind of working? Because almost like if you'd gone into the room and the young people weren't wearing uniforms because it's, it's with an older group. It's with some key stage four young people, especially one or two of them who look far older than they actually are. If everybody was just wearing civilian clothes and you had somebody on a screen and you mixed up the staff and the young people in the room with what was going on, would you necessarily have been able to know who was in charge? I'm not sure you would, if I'm honest. Yeah. You probably would if you stayed there for a while because it, it would have become apparent. But that, that that was a dynamic that I think you probably wouldn't get without the fact they were working together using the kind of digital facilities because normally, yeah. normally as teachers, we want to be in control. Wouldn't that, like what you just said, Mike, about le- le- letting go. We can't let go. But when mm-hmm. it comes to that sort, that, that, that sort of thing, to some extent, you've got to let go because it's not going to work. The teacher being on a screen somewhere telling everyone to sit down and listen isn't going to work, is it? 
I, I don't think it does now. I, I no. think back when I was in school, it didn't really work either. In fact, no. I remember uh, geography was my subject, but I actually remember not liking it at A-level because although I love the topic, we were sat there and, and the teacher talk would that. talk through talk and we would that, highlight yeah. sections of the book yeah. and it completely switched me off. Um, yeah. and, and how do we get engagement? Well, we, we work with those young people and, and bringing it back particularly to you know citizenship and, and leadership in terms of us a curriculum it really is about understanding where our needs are at and and what it is we we want to focus on and yeah. and learn about how we do that best you know and, and by the way i'm you know i'm not trying to say you know i was any uh, any good really good at it either i struggled at times to let go as as an educator and working through that too you know within my different classrooms different topics and stuff but once you start to do it, that's where you get the confidence with it. Yeah, um, easier then. Yeah, and and and, and it's and you know, it's role modelling that I think too, as a practitioner, that it's okay for us to make mistakes, learn from them, and show how you did it back. Be open yeah. and honest with that. No, it's superhuman. No one's going to be absolutely perfect, so that's okay that we yeah. then don't set false expectations with it all. But I think with the technology, there's even more opportunities to do that, isn't there, Mike? That's the thing. That, that yeah. exactly as you say, because I think if you if you go back to you know I'm not that old, but when I started, and uh, you know you, you still you still very using... quick to get that in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you dread to think, don't you? Because you know when I first started teaching, you're still using chalk, and I couldn't I couldn't tell you how many computers there were in the school, never mind the room. <laughs> Whereas now, now, what what that teacher's had to do with that lesson is is she's because she knows she's not in the room, but yet she's still got to 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 facilitate an effective working environment for six young people who were difficult to engage she's had to think about how to adapt what she's doing because she's just at the other end of a screen and she'd obviously got it right because it was working but I think it's meant that she had to be far more creative and put a lot more thought engagement yeah absolutely on top on top of all the other ways that if she was in the room she could be using technology to to uh, to you know to engage young people anyway and wouldn't it be fantastic for then you know for her to be able to share the principles of how she's done that yeah. too um you know to give staff other members of staff maybe that confidence of you say it can't be done with these kids i'll well, show you yeah, it's been done yeah, yeah yeah sharing the experience of it right yeah. okay let's move on to our, our next question um so how do leaders within education help support teaching staff to deliver citizenship and leadership curriculums and see the relevance to their areas of teaching to support wider academic engagement of pupils? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, when you've seen citizenship and leadership done within schools, um, kind of back to the point I made before of teachers have come in because they've got a passion for their subject. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, without trying to sort of but I've often seen a lot of it found difficult for staff to engage with citizenship because it's not what they're there to do in mm. their minds. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I'm here to teach this, to talk this topic, to do that. Quite prescriptive. Yeah. Um, and so I've often had to work on engagement with staff to, you know, for me it was quite good. I say my subject was geography. I would very much argue that's very cross-curricular. The skills that are used feed into the topics that I'm doing um, very nicely. But I, I think that for me is is understanding how you uh, get in that for you for your subject because how that 
you know, one of the things I always said is that although I was a leader of academic um, progress, I could never develop them academically as a young person if I didn't know what was happening pastorally, if I didn't know what was going on in their lives, and I didn't instill that in staff because it's never it, they're not they're, they are all together. You know, to make a help a pupil progress, you have to understand all of those elements of that. And I think that's the same of, for me anyway, of encouraging staff to understand the relevance is to see the yeah. skills, even at the basic level of a debate, um, of learning new information, of seeing relevance to culture. You know, you can fit all of that into any subject very easily, so long as you really home in on that. I think it's going. Yeah, it's going back to what we said before when I, when I'd mentioned about the, you know getting staff to understand why they're doing the things that they're doing in, in, in with with leadership and citizenship. That if they can understand why, they can then see that the different methods available are not methods just to be used in their own right. Because when I go back to think when I worked in a pre years ago and 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 we did you know the, uh, circle time and nurture group, it was set up as a standalone thing. Whereas there's no reason. Why that, for example, you know, someone couldn't be using that to teach their subject. But yet, historically, we've not thought like that. What we thought is, like you said, oh, well, I'm a geography teacher, I'm a history teacher. Um, and because I get given two periods of PSHE and, they're, <laughs> they're, you know, yeah, we laugh about it because we know it's true. that so the head of year, <laughs> Absolutely. I, so I started teaching. So the head, the head of year would, would every week would come around with a, a two lessons worth of worksheets on what the topic was that week. And then you knew your phone group. That's what you were good, going to actually teach. But when you look at the methods available for sort of accessing or, or, or accessing the kind of topics that young people have to consider – they could be used to teach methods in other subjects. And I think it's, 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 it's about the leadership of the school making sure staff understand why they're doing what they're doing. Because if you get why you're doing what you're doing, then you think, well, actually, I could, I could be putting some of that into my subject. And obviously, we've known over the years, good teachers always do. You've got the good teachers, you see a variety of teaching methods, mm-hmm. you do all sorts of things. But I think too often in, in the past, it's been standalone, hasn't it? We've got the, we've got the citizenship topic this, this afternoon. There's a load of worksheets. Do it in phone time. Well, no, because some of the ways you could access that information, you could be, you could be doing it any subject. And, and and I think I've always seen it for some difficulty within some teachers is that flip of, of form time was when I just did a check in, did the register, and saw how they were kind of thing. And there's a different relationship that they then happen to, or yeah. a different standard, as it were, that then changes in the classroom. Because um, typically, you know, in some cases I've seen it's, it's the form tutor who would deliver that. But again, understanding and we we, we said before about how how do we get pupil engagement. Well, let's ask the pupils i suppose it's a similar vein of let's work with the teachers and the learning assistants who are there to get their engagements into how do they feel this topic can match within to their subject you know let's let's not beat about the bush there is a lot of pressure on teachers mm. at, as yeah. as it is yeah. you know to perform uh, a lot of you know schools do um still have performance management pay scale increases are all factored in by performance of young people based mm. on qualifications that are gained at GCSE best based on academic progress from one year to the next and and so we that's where I think there has to be an understanding that if you if you want people to understand citizenship leadership curriculum and the importance of it 
you're going to have to take away some of those pressures that are unnecessarily maybe put on to teaching staff to allow them that creativity, to allow mm-hmm. them to showcase a pupil flourishing in their own individual unique yeah. way. You know, they may not be the best at English and, and go to the higher level, but actually they're a skilled archer. You know, they're fantastic at archery. And let's home in and celebrate that. Because Celebrate this, yeah, the, those skills as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that we use, and I, I, I mean, we're not, I'm not a salesman for this by any stretch. It's just that we, <laughs> we, we actually use something in Witherslack, I've mentioned previously in our schools, called SMSC Gridmaker. And what, what that allows you, I don't know if you've seen that, Mike, what it allows you to do. Yeah, I don't know if you have to cut that bit out, clear in case we're not allowed to advertise for them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no, we, better, we better find out, haven't we? Or is it they just say other, you know, other, other products are available? Are available. Yeah, that's it, Mike. That's the way, yeah, of course, exactly. I feel like I'm on the BBC now. But what, what, that, what that allows you to do is, is, for example, a newly qualified teacher who is trying to adapt their practice in different ways, you can, you can use Gridmaker to go on and see um, where you've done things that meet the criteria of citizenship and leadership without you necessarily even realising. And what that can do is if they're as, – as staff start to use that and where the leadership teams in schools promote it, what that then allows is further development of different methods of teaching and the subject areas to promote citizen, citizenship and leadership – that, that staff are sharing because a lot of things that we're doing in classes in terms of how we model behavior how we get young people to work together you know we wouldn't necessarily recognize of being about the development of leadership and, and and citizenship but when you can see that where some of the things that you do fit into some of the criteria about how you teach those things and you're already doing them oh yeah and look there's other things i could be doing as well and so and so did that so you you almost don't have to sit there and think of all as, as mike was talking about in terms of pressure on staff you don't have to sit there and think about all these other brilliant creative ways of working what you can do is look at the list and think well actually some of the things i do are there already and that's a way we encourage yeah. staff to use it first because there's things they're doing without even realizing yeah. from from that then comes other ideas and, and and that's how they can start to absorb that into their teaching of their subjects. Um, and, it, and it shows them how they're doing it already. And it's a really, really good way of doing that thing. Because otherwise, like, like we said, this could just be another list of things for, for, for the, the teachers are under pressure to implement into their teaching. Yeah. And, and, what, and we, all know we all know they're probably going to react to that. They need, they need to see, first of all, how they're already doing some of this without even realising and how yeah. then how then it's all re- can be even further integrated in as opposed to, oh, by the way, you know, be really good if you can integrate some of this in your teaching straight away because we probably know it's not going to happen effectively then. And that's a, that's a really proactive way, I would say, of being able to implement it because, you know, from experiences I've had in the past as well with leaders in education is the answer is, well, we'll assess it. We'll assess it. We'll get some qualitative data, mm-hmm. quantitative data. We'll assess, we'll assess, we'll assess. And actually, that isn't really the point of citizenship and leadership. It's not an assessment. You know, mm-hmm. how do you assess the soft skills, as we may have called it in the past, of a young person um, that develops in their ability to understand cultures better or their own democracy a lot better, the rights and beliefs of someone within their country and compared to another country? That's not an assessment tool. And we know that assessment doesn't even work for the majority of people's as a you know, I always had a poor memory, so assessments I hated for that reason. But it's, I think, when we're talking about encouragement, it's not to 
add-on assessments and add-on marking. You know, there are far greater ways that we can showcase the understanding and learnings of a student than uh, particularly around curriculum and leadership, uh, sorry, citizenship and leadership, leadership as a curriculum than to just add assessments opportunities. Let's reflect, let's showcase, let's demonstrate. But we don't have to do an assessment that goes in and feeds into a whole school data uh, review. Right, so we've got we've got two questions left on the list, and I'll try and squeeze them in if I can. But there's been some <laughs> great discussions today; really, really great stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I'll move on to the next question. Um, <clears throat> children who you know have been out of school um, for a while will have so many questions and worries, and probably a level of uncertainty about returning. Um, and so teaching staff, you know, must be ready to address these concerns and start to try and bring them back to a, a position of trust again, I would say. And um, so how do you think like a curriculum such as this can assist with that development of trust again? I think we've we've I was just going to say we've 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 done we've done that very much in the setting. I mean, now in terms of um, as we talked about earlier, preparing the adults first so we could then say to young people, look at some of the things that we've done. And we've then actually used curriculum time to talk them through how we've done it to see how they can be involved in it as well. So it, it's it's about basically utilising the curriculum to say that we can, because we are working together on this, this is how we are working together, so that when they came back into school then, they didn't feel as if it was being done unto them. They felt they were part of the process. Part of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly that, and that's why going back to what we talked about earlier in terms of if COVID does one thing, it's it's to an extent you'd like to think it's democratised schools even quicker than than perhaps we would have thought that any circumstance could have done because we were all in it together, we were all one, and it it was about just using the space and time we had then to get them to understand that we were all going through this together. And you know what? The only way we could actually get and can actually get through this is if you work with us. Because if yeah. you, because when we, if we set up a testing centre in school for everybody's benefit, if then if when you come down to that testing centre, you decide you're going to start shouting and swearing or acting in an inappropriate fashion or damaging anything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so on that basis, we've we've literally had a, a, a COVID testing centre set up in the school that we don't have to lock. You know, to get them to understand that, going back right, to what yeah. I said before, is, yes, yes, it's intrinsically about how you act, citizenship and leadership, but then it's about how you act with other people then and having the skill set to be able to be part of the community. And, and you know, we know, you know, anxiety is a, is a key blocker to learn. I think, you know, mm. I've always said that as a quote and, and it's absolutely true. If you are far more concerned about what's making you anxious, it doesn't matter how good that teacher is, how good that curriculum is, how engaging it won't stick because no, you know, no one's paying attention to it. Mm. And, that, and that's for our adults. I think as much as our young people, as, as Chris got rightly was talking about there, you know, and, and understanding that we need to focus on that first then we can make the education happen because if we're too quick to try and get education and catch up on curriculum content, it, it won't work anyway. You know, you've, yeah. So it's better to do a little something later than try and get it all straight in because you know it's going to stick better and progress. And curriculum such as, you know, citizenship and leadership – Chris gave you know gave some examples before of older students maybe mentoring budding up with younger students 
this is this is classic of what we can do to help with anxiety too you know of of getting those who do seem a bit more confident or have gone through more and built their resilience to actually help buddy up some of those who may quite don't know how to get to that point and and they they just see the gap of where they're at or where they want to be so and and using peer mentorship in in that way um you know they're used to adults saying do this go out for a walk you know close your mind off do yoga whatever but actually they're not always real examples for a young person yeah and having that you know comes through utilizing our leaders as we said before not just the ones that are already well-rounded and so we put them in leadership positions to just showcase those who are our more subtle leaders that we may have seen have got people together not necessarily for the positive but how we use them and and get them on board and say look come on this is going to be really important you know this as well how do we help you to work with the people that you are already leading to get them on board and educate and coach others to then do it because that's a bigger rollout than small groups of people doing it to everyone great okay so um i've got the final question now and i think probably a lot of what we like it will be covered probably you know throughout the conversations that we've had already but as a something to finish on you know if you could suggest a handful of sort of top tips for helping a school develop this curriculum what would they be was oh, that it's that song isn't there about advice and it's just people taking the good stuff and ignoring the bad stuff <laughs> and passing it on isn't there um <laughs> and advice i think for me you know it, it's it is that top tips of, of a few things you know it's engage the pupils if you want to really make it work engage the pupils engage your staff and working together um understand truly i think the why that you are doing this that is about broadening minds and enriching communities it's it's about being able to do the things that your curriculum actually doesn't offer um teamwork finances time management understanding the democracy in which they live you know yeah. we've had i've had people in the past i'm going to vote blue because it's my favorite color you think are you, are you joking <laughs> understand that it's fine that you want to vote blue but understand, understand why you're doing that um and i think they're the ones for me is is know why you're doing it put the right time and effort into it and work with mm. young people build it around them not as a for qualification yeah yeah and similar points really claire i think the main yeah. thing is understand the context and background that the young people come from because that's yes. crucial because if there's if if they don't see a relevance to the kind of things that you're treating them because that there's no rev- relevance to the world they live in it could be a million miles away you know because it's, mm. it's it's you know we're 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 breezing into schools sometimes as university educated professionals uh talking to young people about sort of the sorts of things they're going to need and and you know they're looking at us thinking well i'm not going to need that where i live because actually where i live i'm going to need this that doesn't mean about lowering aspirations that's not what that's about but it's about understanding what they can do what they can understand and what's possible for them to to operate in the society that they live in and then it's about making sure that the, the, the teaching of that skill set for them is relevant to understand um, the, the, the the kind of communities and the space that they live in. So the activities to be very much linked to that um, so they have a relevance. And again, it's, it, and I, I constantly emphasise this point, it's not about, you know, low aspirations in terms of what you can get them to understand, but, but, 
but but engage them as Mike said. Make make it applicable. Make make it something that matters and means something in the world that they live in. Um, and that's difficult in our schools sometimes because our young people come from a, a, a wide variety of backgrounds. You know, people work on the assumption that our schools are for young people who've got issues, you know, with managing their behaviour appropriately. And they they have a stereotype of context that our young people come from, and and it's very mixed and it's very varied. And sometimes it can be quite complex for us to understand that. But I think that's what it's about: understand the young people, understand where they come from, understand what's applicable to them, make it applicable to them, and 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 don't and 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 don't be worried about being brave be brave mm. be talk about yeah. controver- con- controversial things and controversial topics and, and and don't think that you can't do it just because necessarily young people won't want to engage with it or i'm too scared to do it because you know what happens if it turns into a conversation and they don't all go quiet when i tell them to you know take some risks you'd be interested to see what happens i'd say what what a way to do it. <laughs> be brave i love it it's amazing <laughs> Um, well, oh gosh, that was that was brilliant. So, well, that is a wrap, actually. Um, that's all of my questions for today. So, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Chris and Mike for your time, and to all our listeners for joining us as well. So, um, if you are listening to this, you are probably already signed up to the Support and Leaders in Education series, which is all about providing advice and support for head teachers, senior leadership team members, and all teaching professionals. Um, but if not, you can visit our website uh, with a Slack group group.co.uk um, and register to receive details about future topics. So thank you once again to our speakers, our listeners, um, and I hope that you can join us for another podcast in the future. <laughs>